0: Welcome Determinators, this is your first episode of the Go the Extra Mile podcast, and I am your host, Jillian Pereira. Go the Extra Mile is a podcast connecting determination athletes and sharing stories of resilience, humor, and people who make their miles more meaningful by supporting the American Cancer Society. In these conversations, we'll focus on the why that brings us to our collective start lines. You and your teammates' mission connections, the sometimes heartbreaking, often touching, Always inspiring stories of what happens after someone we love hears the words, you have cancer. We'll talk about the training required to put in long miles and conquer finish lines, the tips and tricks to have some fun along the way, advice we wish we'd had earlier, and some of our favorite words of wisdom to make sure you arrive at your event healthy and strong. Finally, let's decode fundraising. From gangbuster lemonade stands to bar parties, big gifts from unexpected donors to company matches. We'll share social media victories and mistakes we've made so you don't have to. For this first conversation, James Waddington is a terrific person to kick things off. Today, James will share his why and talk through how he went from I'll do this once to running 3D Nation races in a year. From joining to honor his late father and an aunt recently diagnosed, to sharing openly about his own cancer diagnosis and making it a personal goal to speak to at least one group a month to spread the word about the importance of cancer screening. You may have even seen him on your social media feeds as part of our ACS I Love You Get Screened campaign. James is a man who makes time to train after long days teaching 8th grade social studies in Camden, New Jersey, and spending time with his family, hitting the streets of his Pennsylvania neighborhood late at night to get a run-in. He's a community leader in his school, neighborhood, and church, and we are so proud to call him an ambassador for the American Cancer Society and our Determination Program. I am so excited to kick things off with this conversation. Thank you so much, and welcome to my friend, James Waddington. James Waddington, thank you so much for joining us on the Go the Extra Mile podcast as guest number one.
1: Oh, I feel special.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. I think you are the perfect person to connect with our D Nation network. Um, when I think about people who bring mission connection, athleticism, and fundraising to the table, you really check all of those boxes. And so I'm interested in chatting with you to see if that has always been the case or mm-hmm. how, um, you come to this and to share your expertise and life experiences with us. So thank you so much for giving us the time and thought.
1: You're very welcome. And thank you. This has uh, been interesting, an interesting ride so far.
0: So I will start by asking you, I guess, just to describe yourself either three words to describe you or something that might surprise people when they meet you for the first time.
1: Mm, uh, Three words I'm assuming would be creative. I think I have a decent amount of creativity and wit, um, dedicated and comical.
0: You are those uh, things.
1: Yeah yeah i think uh i was uh, telling the teacher today in my building i said you have to laugh or you'll cry so i just try to find the humor in things and keep things light
0: it's true there are so many things that will break your heart um Uh but if you can find that little bit of joy or hope or humor in it it goes a very long way and it connects us all too
1: yes and i really believe in and trying to make some lemonade out of life's lemon. so you know, it's no use of getting down and staying down, figure out the good in things and things and work the good part of it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about your history with determination. How did you get started? And can you tell us about your first D Nation race?
1: Sure. Uh got started with D Nation last year. I was thinking about doing Broad Street, trying to contemplate just doing it to stay in shape and, and just deal with my own health issues. And I said, well, why don't you try to do it with the Cancer Society? Because, you know, cancer has touched your life a little bit. And as I was trying to make that determination, my dad's sister called me and let me know she was battling breast cancer. So that pretty much sealed the deal that I would uh, try to run. And at that point, it was just get through the race, uh, raise the minimum amount of money and and keep it moving. Um, I thought I would do the one race and and raise the $500 and I'll be done with D nation until the next, uh, broad street run, unless I decided to do broad street run again, but those plans changed somewhere along the way.
0: We wouldn't let you go. (laughs) You raised a little more than 500 I'd say.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit more. So that first time out of the gate,
0: you did almost $5,000 in 2023, correct?
1: Uh it was yeah, it was like 37 something like that, but yeah, so 5,000 is definitely a goal for this year and it's funny though because with the fundraising, I just keep coming up with different ideas of what can we do to raise funds and uh, raise awareness at the same time. So it's been interesting. Uh, as I've mentioned to you uh, in text and email, I've reached out to a company I'm not sure where I can say the name, but I asked for a donation that I thought I could use with fundraising and i wound up with two carloads worth of stuff so in the back of my classroom right now it's a pop-up shop and everyone knows that everything is dirt cheap compared to what they would buy in the store but everything is going to the cancer society so it's it's been interesting uh just with those little blessings popping up that you don't expect
0: yeah astonishing generosity i think that's an important thing in fundraising too is sometimes the sources that you are sure are going to push you over the top, let you down. And mm. the total surprises where you're like, ah, let me just give this a try can really bowl you over too. So you really mm. never know where that success is going to come from.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where the the determination and creativity comes is just figure out ways to get the word out there and You know once people know your story and and why you're doing it it's not just hey he's raising money for a nice cause and understand why the cause is important um i think that helps also
0: so tell us your story you referenced your aunt who was facing breast cancer um your story goes a little deeper than that tell us a little bit about your experience with cancer
1: right so i'm trying to think where the story begins uh if I had to put a start point on the story will be in 2005 with my father. So November 5th, 2005, my daughter was born, the happiest one of the happiest times of my life. And November 9th, 2005, my dad was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. So, you know, we, he, was at the doctor's office with, I was with him and I'll never forget the first time I've seen this look on my dad's face. The doctor said, Mr. Waddington, you have cancer and his head just fell forward. And, you know, it was the first time I've seen my dad where he didn't have a joke or a funny response. So my dad passed Mm -hmm. four months later and I, I did Broad Street in 2006, but, um, I actually signed up with the Cancer Society because that was one of the few spots still left. So um, I was not serious about making awareness to point and raising. I say, OK, dad had cancer. Cancer Society has a spot. Let me go. So fast forward uh, 2019, I had been diagnosed with diabetes in December, and my doctor was checking my blood levels for glucose, just making sure I was on top of my diabetes. And he knows my psa was higher than he liked so march of 2020 he said james i want you to see a urologist well we tried to make an appointment with a urologist and everything was shut down for the pandemic so i was like oh well you know i never mm-hmm. made the appointment i went back to him in maybe june or july and he said how did the appointment go and i said i never went and he said i need you to go so in august i was diagnosed with prostate cancer but you know the good news is it was caught relatively early and with prostate cancer, we know it it moves a little slower than other cancers. So I was able to wait four months uh, for winter break. I didn't wanna miss much school. So I waited four months over winter break to have uh, surgery to have the prostate removed. And for me, those four months mean so much because my dad was gone in four months where I had a whole four months to wait to uh, have the surgery. So you know, it's the difference to me in screening. And and if they caught his early, I'm not saying he would still be here today, but I think he would have had a lot more than the four months to deal with it and, and, and you know, get to know his granddaughter and, and spend more time with my son. Yes. So, you know, that's yes. what made me do screening.
0: Wow, what a comparison, the four months that your dad had to the four months you waited. And I was going to ask you, during those four months, was that hard? to know or did you feel different or how did your family react for
1: me was rough for the simple fact that i when i decided i was going to do the surgery i knew i was going to do it but i was more afraid of the surgery than the cancer so the four months leading up to it and we were in a pandemic so i wasn't in a school building you know i was doing classes online uh did not have the the church um, circle that I normally had because we were doing church online. So it was it was an interesting experience because of me and my family, uh, my wife and my two kids, an extended family some, but you know, that it was, you know, a journey we fought alone. I, I went to Sloan Kettering in New York. You know, my wife mm-hmm. may drive up there, but she will wait in the parking lot while I went in for appointments because she couldn't come into the building. When I did the surgery, wow. she had to drop me off. Uh, and once she dropped me off, I didn't see her for two days. Later, there were some complications; they were worried about. They kept her informed via the phone, but you know, I was in that room by myself. So, I think the hardest part was just doing it through the pandemic and, and that isolation that the pandemic brought.
0: Yeah, it's isolation magnified. Mm-hmm.
1: All way up in New York, and it's amazing to say. I tell people that was my favorite trip to New York. I'm not a big New York fan, but yeah, yeah <laughs> being up there uh, it, during the pandemic, it, the streets were pretty much empty. So you know, going through the city and doing things, it was not the congestion I was used to, and I came to not like.
0: Wow, that must have been surreal for so many yeah, reasons.
1: So it was interesting. It was definitely not an experience that I'll ever forget. So you wow. know, so as the story goes, I did Broad Street and I've done uh, runs before for charity. When my brother died in 2004, I did a couple marathons with the Stroke Association, but it was a team we met every week and we ran. But for last year's three runs, I only did one run with anybody else. And that was a team run right before Broad Street. And I had been working by myself, but for me, that team run was so uplifting and fun. And for me, I had never really run in the city, stopping at street lights and stuff like that. And the team slowing down and waiting for me. I mean, I really enjoyed that experience. And, you know, then I met you the following week, I believe, or either that week, you know, for the Fox 29. Mm -hmm. And you and Taryn start pushing me to get my story out. And I'm like, oh, goodness, this is not what I was expecting to do. So. It's been interesting because, you know, I think the voice is getting louder and, and I'm enjoying it. Um, And just seeing the, the change that it's making in people's lives. I never thought when people get a cancer diagnosis, or have a cancer concern, they're calling me, hey, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And my favorite advice to folks is just double check with your doctor. I mean, I, I've been through it, but I can't yes. give you medical, yeah, I off. can't give you medical advice. I, I can help you deal with it, but your doctor's gonna be able to give you the medical advice.
0: Well, and I think it's been inspiring to watch, to see you grow in confidence externally mm-hmm. and to really own the mantle of advocate. Mm-hmm an ambassador and to tell people get screened and then also to hear the stories internally of folks who seek you out or who have gone through something similar and who see you as a resource and, um, you know, someone that they trust and can confide in. And I just think it's been really powerful to see you use that platform to save lives. And you could never raise another dollar. and be the loudest voice for ACS. I just think you're doing us such a service. And I truly believe through the advocacy work that you're doing that you are saving lives in your community. Absolutely. And it's
1: funny because, you know, this is your first podcast, but this is one of my motivations. When we talked about the podcast a little while ago, I was like, OK, you can do at least a like Facebook reel or a, a TikTok video just encouraging people. So uh, I've done, I think, maybe two so far. Uh, one was a video and then one was just a post. And I think I'm just going to try to make myself do one or two a month just to get the word out there about different aspects of cancer. And, and I think Taryn really, um, put in my mind to focus on how cancer affects the African American community. So just doing more stuff like that. So you guys have motivated me to really just, you know, step up to the plate. Um, if I have the big mouth, I might as well use it as a voice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're so funny because you say you have a big mouth i think you are I, I think so highly of you and i know your school community does too um they're fortunate to have you as a leader can you tell me a little bit about some of what you've done in your school community so you are a middle school social studies yes. teacher in camden new jersey tell me about your school community and you talked about Taryn inspiring you to impact the african-american community can you tell me a bit about what you're doing in Camden and in the Cato school? All right, so
1: I am a eighth grade social studies teacher at Octavius Cato in uh, East Camden, Middle East Camden, New Jersey. And it's interesting because one thing I've learned, of course, I'm not the only one who's dealt with cancer. So in my school building, it's the same thing, but I think I'm the one who talks about it. Um, so mm-hmm. I uh, we did the I Love You Get Screen campaign over the summer, and when those four... Uh, spots came on Facebook and Instagram. I shared them with my lead educator who was also battling breast cancer. So she was diagnosed with breast cancer last year around f- maybe January, February. So uh, mm-hmm. she just came back to work at the end of the summer and she's been like, Waddington, you need to get these around the building. And I'm like, no. She like, Waddington. So I put little small ones up <laughs> and uh, she was like, no, you have to do bigger. So I asked the art teacher to blow up a poster and I never thought he would put 24 by 36 so i have a couple 24 by 36 posters around the building
0: your glamour shots
1: i don't think there's much glamour here (laughs) but um but it's interesting through that you know folks say hey why did you say well i had cancer and they tear their story and i think that's what motivates me a lot is hearing the stories and you know if they're not openly talking about it i don't mind being the one openly talking about it and one of the things i love about the american cancer society is, is cancer. It's not focusing on one specific cancer. We're trying to fight cancer for everybody and change cancer for everybody. So that helps because, you know, my dad died of lung cancer, but my aunt died of another cancer, my honest face of breast cancer. Um, one of my closest friend um, deals with skin cancer. So there's a lot of people in my life, my life who's dealing with cancer. So it's helping them, I think, and helping others who may and I'm not someone who said, Oh, we're going to end cancer you know, in the next couple of years, but I love how the American Cancer so- Society says, "In cancer as we know it and and how it affects lives because, exactly. you know, the services that I hear about now from, about the Cancer Society, I didn't know about back then. So I'm talking about them more, you know, like everybody knows the Ronald McDonald House, but nobody knows Hope Lodge. Well, not nobody, but a lot of people don't. So, you know, screenings, hey, I don't know where you can go to screen specifically, but hey, use this QR code that I posted to find something close to you. So just little small pieces like that. And it's interesting because as we can flip back to the African-American community, well, my school in East Camden Middle School is predominantly Hispanic. So what I've been, I went out, I did a parent uh, talk for something totally different. And I told uh, my principal, I said, listen, if I speak to parents, I have to, you know, do my little thing on cancer awareness. So I went and found Spanish uh, information, Spanish literature printed that out. And I had the translator translate what I was talking about with the prostate cancer and cancer screenings. And we passed out the literature in Spanish and English. Um, so, you know, just wherever community I am, I'm in, I'm trying to affect it. So
0: you are a gift. Mm. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you when your dad was diagnosed in 2004, do you think, did he talk much about it?
1: Well, my dad was was, uh I guess, an extreme case. My dad, for as long as I remember, was smoking cigarettes, cigarette after cigarette, after mm-hmm. cigarette after cigarette. And he had not, you know, done a whole bunch of the doctor's appointments and keeping up on his health. So my aunt, who currently is uh, fighting breast cancer, called me and said, listen, I need you to do me a favor. Make your dad go get checked. Because... He's this and that, and I went to the house. I'm like, Dad, what's going on with you? He said, Well, I stopped eating ice cream. That's why I'm losing all this weight. And I'm like, Okay. So my brother, mm-hmm. my brother had died of a stroke in 2004. It caught us off off guard, all by surprise. Same year. I'm sorry. Let me. Yeah, 2000. Let me, let me back up. 2004. Yeah, Mike died. So with my dad, I said, Pop, do you want to be like your son? And he got real mad at me. But he wound up at the hospital like two days later, so um, you know it was, it was different because I think now we talk about it different because we know we had that experience. And my father, like I said, he he drank heavily, he smoked heavily, he did not take care of himself, and you know that gets me back to uh, signing up to do brochetry because I I understand. Even with my cancer diagnosis, being in shape, I was about two hundred thirty pounds before the diabetes diagnosis. Lost a ton of work, weight. Was going um, to the gym all the time. Got in shape. So when the cancer diagnosis came, I think my body was better able to handle the surgery and the recovery. So you know, the the night of my surgery, they wanted us to do walking laps around the hospital floor, and I was passing people like we were on a the competition. They're like, "Okay, James, you can slow down." <laughs> But, you know, so just taking care of yourself physically, I think, you know, if you come up with a diagnosis, your body is better prepared to deal with it.
0: Outstanding. Well, thank you for bringing these conversations to the forefront and starting the conversations. I think also educating the children is going to rise up through the families and have a really positive impact. So, so many communities are influenced by the education of children and what they bring home to their parents. So... Um, that's reaching far and wide for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's my my next step is to figure out a way that we can formally introduce you know cancer education uh, at the elementary and middle school levels. Because my students, uh, I showed them the Fox 29 piece, they see the flyers and I talk about it, but I don't think they really understand it. And for me, I wanna make sure that I find a way that is culturally sensitive because unfortunately, most of my kids probably when they hear cancer, it's the negative of somebody died from it. So when you introduce it, I don't want them to think death automatically. So just, you know, talk about prevention and lifestyle and healthy living, the preventative methods that they can get into. And then, you know, from there, how they can help themselves in the future, because hopefully they'll all be thriving adults and have to do their screenings and things like that.
0: Well, and so much of lung cancer outcomes has changed because of cancer or because I'm sorry of smoking cessation initiatives just the work in saying smoking is bad for you smoking leads to lung cancer mm-hmm. um that changes the curve so that education is a powerful thing
1: right yeah and i mean i think as like you said so many kids i think they understand secondhand smoke and they understand it yep. even if you know they you know, don't smoke, they need to stay away from folks who do for their own health. So that's a mm-hmm. good thing. So, you know, just trying to figure out how to afford that.
0: You're always thinking, we appreciate it. All right. So let's talk about the training. Okay. You had already lost a lot of weight. You've run marathons, you have done. Broad- what did you find surprising about training for broad street this time around, or was it just another race you run rate right late at night, right?
1: Yes, yes. A lot of my runs are after 10 o'clock, maybe. Either I'm going to the gym at 10 o'clock or hitting the streets about 1030. So it's not unusual for me to finish a run a little bit after midnight. Woo. But And the funny thing with that, again, is when I uh, was training, uh, getting in shape when I got the diabetes diagnosis, it was COVID and people were like, you shouldn't be outside. I'm like, listen, if I'm running at 1130 at night and somebody's close to me, COVID is probably not the concern I'm having. So, you know, (laughs) we go from there, but, and you know, that run, like I said, the run I did with the team was the only run I've done for Broad Street, the Philadelphia distance run, or the Philadelphia uh, half marathon that I've done with anybody else. I'm just used to being out there running alone and it's peaceful. I think you, you can just relax and get your thoughts out. And one of the things I've learned is I'm, I'm not, quote unquote, a runner in the sense that, hey, let me go out there, knock off seven, eight miles and it's fun. I, I, I figured out my goals and I trained to my goals. And, you know, even when I'm on Kelly Drive, I see people pass me. I'm like, see you later. As long as I get my goals accomplished and get back safely. I'm Yeah. And I think that's if I had to give advice to people who are training is, you know, set your goals, know what you want to do and know what you need to do to get to where it is. Because for Brewer Street, The ultimate goal is 10 miles. You don't have to get 10 miles in in 50 steps, 10 miles, 100 steps. It's 10 miles if you wanna stop at the finish line and, and slowly walk the rest of the way to the tents to get your refreshments and things, you accomplished it. It's
0: a huge accomplishment. 10 miles is a serious undertaking. I love what you said about the camaraderie of when there's an opportunity to be together, when there's an opportunity to show up. Um, so I hope that folks who are training for races or events in community are able to get out for those, um, training rides or training runs, those get togethers. But I also hope that for the folks who are going solo, that they can pop their headphones in and we can go for the the ride with them, um, and kind of stay front of mind and continue talking about why we're doing it and why it's important, um, through this podcast. So. Who knows who you're Mm. training with today?
1: Well, slow down. You're leaving me. Going
0: along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Start slow and slow down. (laughs) Um, What do you think the key to your success was for Broad Street um, or for any of your running? What do you think the key to your success is? Do you think it's that you set your goals and you go after your goals yourself? What would you say to someone who's intimidated by the prospect of an endurance event?
1: I guess for me... um... I guess it's how you define success. Uh, So for me, um, my success was tied with the fundraising and being able Mm -hmm. to finish. So um, I had some times that I had in my mind during the training, but the morning of those times went to finish. So, you know, I did Broad Street and I think 143 last year. My goal this year is, to do it in under 130. Um, so I, love it. I would love to do that, but if I finish, you know, finish unharmed, unhurt, that's that's yeah. gonna be fine for me. So I, anybody who uh, is intimidated, I think it's, it's trust your training, um, mm-hmm. find the training program, stick to your program and trust it. it. If you get the miles in before the race that you need to get in, the race will be easy and the adrenaline is flowing and for me yes. in Lansdowne, there's a lot of hills, <clears throat> excuse me. So when I got to Broad Street and I was like, oh, this is fun because it was so much downhill it's
0: like net downhill.
1: Yeah. So flying. So that was great for me. And, you know, like I said, just put the work in, Put the, you don't have to go running mm-hmm. 10 miles every day to run Broad Street. But, you know, build up your miles. Uh, for me, I learned mm-hmm. that walking, if I had a four mile run and scheduled and I didn't do the four mile run, I made myself do six miles at least of walking and running just to build up the leg strength and stamina. So when I did another four mile run, it's like, Hey, this wasn't bad. Cause I just did six walking and running not too long ago in, in this mental, I think is mental. And I read somewhere before where it says the older you get, the easier the things go because you've dealt with so many other things in your life where you realize that this is a challenge, but it's not something you can, can't overcome because you've overcome so many things. When
0: I'm in the thick of it and feeling bad or it's feeling hard or there's weather like Broad Street 23, I try to remind myself that I get to do this and that that's an incredibly fortunate thing. I choose this and I, I get to. What a privilege. Um, it can be hard and uncomfortable, but also be worth it.
1: Right. And I often think when I'm training is I think about the people who can't do it. Like mm-hmm. my aunt can't get out here and train for a run, mm-hmm. you know, folks who, who just would love to, I have a coworker who is a breast cancer survivor and she was going to do Brewer street um, this year also, but there was a student ran in a door, hit her in the back with the door. So her back is now messed up. So she can't do it. So I think of people like that who want to do it and can't do it. Mm-hmm. And my biggest motivation for Brewer street is my son is going to register. He's out at the university of Pittsburgh, but he'll train out there. So I, I made the deal with him. I said, "You register, and you send out the emails to your friends and family and coaches. And whatever you don't get an email, I'll work with you to do the fundraising for the rest." So he'll be out That's on the street. That's awesome.
0: With me. We love a family that that competes together. Yeah.
1: So and will you be,
0: be running right? together?
1: That's the plan. Um, my plan is for him to leave me if he needs to, um, sure. but he, my son he, he'll probably just want to stick with dad. Um, and I for him, that. he, he, he's an athlete, but he's, he's intimidated by the 10 miles. He's like, dad, I don't know about 10 miles. And I'm like, you, you've run six before. So if you can do six, you can train to get to 10. So, yeah, you know, it's exciting. He's out in Pittsburgh with the hills. So he's got the hills. Is, yeah. He's got the
0: winter. He'll come in well-prepared.
1: Yeah, he, he's only 20 years old, so he, he, he can do it. <laughs> do anything. He can do it. about mind over matter i
0: think there's a lot of people in broad street who mind over matter it yeah oh yeah such a celebration is there a goal that you have you mentioned the 130 goal but is there a d nation goal that you have or another race that you'd like to run
1: disney disney i knew it I, (laughs) i will i will do disney um and you know i don't know when I'll do it, sure. but I will do it within the next few years. And the funny thing I is, the
0: whole family's going with yeah, you? I'm
1: quite sure now. Will the whole family participate? I'm not sure, but the whole family will be there. And my mindset right now is so, how do I do the training and fundraising for the three Philadelphia runs and do fundraising for Disney? Because I don't want to feel like I'm cheating the home team, but I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> We're one nation. Yeah. We're one ACS.
1: It's answering.
0: Something tells me you will will come up with a way. I really admire you have been a very creative fundraiser. So can you hit me with just two or three different things you've done? Um, I think sometimes people see big fundraising numbers and think, well, they must just know people who have a lot of money or they must have just, you know, it must have been easy. I think it's neat to see you've taken a couple of different initiatives and you have goals for those to grow or, you know, they've gone differently than you expected. Can you give me a couple of, um, whether they be creative fundraising ideas or things that have worked well for you? So
1: uh, let me just see if I can go down the list. Uh, Of course, the emails, sending out the emails um, has been good. Direct emails, not
0: just social media. Yes, direct
1: emails to people just telling my story and explaining why uh, determination is important to me um i did a silent auction last year uh we had Mm -hmm. an event at church and i did the silent auction at church and for that i had silent auction items where people bid on them and i also had auction items where you bought a raffle ticket and threw it in the bucket and and went for that Mm -hmm. um that worked for me and this year i'm doing a little pop-up shop in my room i am trying to set up a benefit concert in camden Uh, Because, like I said, I have many uh, co-workers in my building throughout the district who have dealt with cancer. So my idea that I put out to the district's uh, media team is let's recognize one cancer survivor in each building um, at a concert, um, have a cancer screening awareness event at each school leading up to the concert. And we have a magnificent uh, high school, creative arts high school in the district and trying to see if the choir would do a few songs, the jazz band would do a few pieces, the uh, dancers will do something and just have a straight benefit concert where we charge an, uh, a minimal fee, but knowing that the money, if not all, the majority of it can go to the Cancer Society. So I'm doing that at school and I'm also trying to do Terrific. that at church. Um, And I'm also just getting out and speaking and, and talking about cancer awareness and I tell everyone it's important to get the word out. So I will not charge a fee to come and speak to any group, but I will let them know that a donation directly to the Cancer Society is possible and ask them to do that. At church, my pastor agreed that we will do one Sunday in March is we're going to spare change cancer. So just ask people to bring spare change in and drop it in, I'll count it and uh, put it in the, um, the site for donation. So just thinking of different ways. One of the things I've learned is you have to know your audience and figure out who's willing to do what and not always Mm -hmm. hit the same people all the time. So
0: I think that's something people worry about.
1: Yeah. Amazingly, I sent out my letters to all the people who donated last year and I've gotten so far maybe two responses through donations. But, you know, I don't know if they figured, hey, I gave last year or they've decided on their own to keep giving. But just trying to find different ways to spread the word and and give them opportunities and let them understand why the opportunities are important.
0: And I think the value in hearing these things is adapting those ideas to your network or to your life. I have XYZ location that I could do some of these things. Or I, you know, I think it's just a, a great way to, you know, help others okay. brainstorm, right. doing doing some brainstorming for everybody. So thank you. What else do you think we need to know? What have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me?
1: Mm, I, mean, I can't think of anything. It's just, you know, folks, it's important to do the work we're doing with Broad Street and training, but it's also important to let folks know why you're doing it. And I think, you know, as much as the training is as important, the getting the word out is just as important. And that's the exciting part for me. It, it went for me from, hey, let's just do this, stay in shape and and raise Mm -hmm. a couple of dollars to now, you know, this is my number one outside of of education, passion. And it's still part of education. Just talking to people and spreading the word. And, you know, I tell folks, if you get tired of me talking about cancer, let's get rid of cancer and I can not talk about it anymore.
0: Well, Mm. I can't imagine anything else there is to say. What a perfect note to end on. Where can people find and support you?
1: I just created a, a separate Facebook page called James for a cause where I plan on, uh, put so if I'm, someone wants to send a friends request for James FRA calls, um, I'm always going to spread information there. And of course, my regular Facebook is James B. Waddington. I just, if somebody tells me they want to friend me because they want more information about cancer, there's no way I'm going to say no. Um,
0: well, thank you for being our first conversation and for your tireless work on behalf of ACS and Determination. We're so glad to have you on the team. And
1: I thank you guys for being there. This is, is like I said, when I started this, it was not an experience I expected. And you guys have made this such a, a life-changing participation event. You know, my participation with D Nation is one of the highlights of my life. And I'm quite sure once I go and there's a service to be had, they will talk about my participation in D nation. That's one of the best things I did uh, for people.
0: Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you on broad street. All righty. All right, team. Thank you so much for listening. And I know you'll join me in extending your appreciation to James for sharing so openly about his experiences. Before letting you go, a quick cool down, if you will. Three key takeaways from today's conversation pertaining to mission, training, and fundraising. First, I love you. Get screened! Visit cancerorg get screened and understand and familiarize yourself with the American Cancer Society's cancer screening recommendations. This site also includes a quick reference guide to share with those you love. Next, Figure out your goals and train to those goals. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Find a plan you like, do the work, and have a great time on event day. Your goal might be related to fundraising or a specific time or simply to finish. It's you versus you. And finally, let people know why you're doing it. Tell your story. If they understand why you're involved and what your personal motivation or experience is, not just that it's a good because we'll go a long way. It becomes personal. James shared how he initially thought he'd raise the $500, run the race, and move on. Instead, he got serious about how cancer had changed his life, raised almost $4,000, and became a D Nation lifer. Share as much or as little as you're comfortable with, but try to articulate why it matters. Thanks again to James for chatting with us and to all of you for being here for this first conversation. We love having you as part of the D Nation family and for all you're doing to end cancer as we know it for everyone. This is the Go The Extra Mile podcast. Let's talk again soon.